People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. Glad to be checking in again with Brothers Talk family worldwide, in the car, the gym, the bin, the kitchen, the barber, a beauty shop, in the backyard, on the corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism to support the Black community. Welcome to our first-time listeners as you join this global family to help us lift up the critical thought process with enlightened conversations and promote new and existing Black business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. In our weekly coronavirus reminder, once again, we're encouraging everyone to please get vaccinated if you haven't already and to stay vigilant, avoiding both people and situations where you might be exposed. We really can't spare any of our loved ones. So family, please don't get complacent and let your guard down because even though it looks like COVID is here to stay, it's still very infectious and very deadly, killing over 500 people a day, still going on after three years. So as you go about your daily routine, keep wearing your mask and taking the necessary precautions when you're out and about, regardless of what you see other folks doing. And now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Norm. You know, ditto on um, what Rod just said. Uh, there seem to be, and we talk about this every week, there seem to be, there's a trend here where I'm going to places and there are very, very few. When I say very few, we're, we're talking about uh, there may be 95% or more of the people who are not masked. And they're acting, people are still trying to go back to normal and there is a new normal and people got to understand that you got to protect yourself. You got to either, if you're not vaccinated, you still got to wear the mask, but you, I wear my mask even though I'm vaccinated. Uh, and I don't think that we're out of the woods yet, but there's another thing that's coming too. And that's, and I think that this was happening with the climate change and the flooding all over this, all over the place. I don't think that this is temporary. I think this is something that's going to get increasingly worse and people need to have a plan. Uh, what are you going to do when they keep uh, forecasting that we're going to be underwater? You know, the sea level is already going to be rising, has already risen uh, uh, more than a foot because of the uh, melting ice and the polar caps and places like that. So I think we got to start looking at that and get a plan and be uh, proactive and not reactive when this thing get out of control. And I just wanted to keep everyone's uh, attention focused on the Elijah McClain murder in Denver by the police and the paramedics. The coroner, basically, they're still investigating the murder, and they came out with a new report, but the court won't let them release it. So we have to be diligent, you know, and, and follow up on these cases. And I just wanted to remind everybody about that brother's murder, right? So we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up on what we talked about last time, which was we are focusing on the Biden forgiveness of some of the college loan debt to $10,000, $20,000. But going at it from a little different angle, because seems to me, and, and I'm sure 
uh, to a lot of other folks that the problem has never been just the fact that you need some loan forgiveness, but they need to nip this in the bud where you've got too much predatory lending going on. You've got these banks who under Bush the second, who allowed the lobbyists, the banking lobby to write a lot of the banking legislation. And so they put in these very restrictive and very predatory loan processes where, as you said, Scott, uh, that the only way you can get out of these college loans is either to die or to pay it off. And as you said, Norm, it's a new form of slavery. But that's part and parcel of the whole process of our country's economy that's built on debt holding, that they look for every opportunity to take advantage of the people that they can put into debt. And that even extends to the idea of the insanity of putting the highest interest rates on those who have the least ability to pay it back. And that would be not so so egregious if they weren't constantly trying to force these people into debt. So I understand the logic of saying, well, okay, they're taking a higher risk, but if they're such a high risk, then why are you in such a big hurry to get these people under the debt cloud in the first place? So that to me is just a big problem that this country needs to really take a look at. And I hope the Biden administration would do something like put Elizabeth Warren in place to really rehab the whole economic structure around debt. You know, you know, Rod, you, you, you touched on a lot of good points that I agree with. And the thing to me is I don't see anybody asking the question about how we got here and, and why. And the whole thing is capitalism is driving it. And it's crony capitalism is not pure capitalism. We got a situation where at one time the uh, federal government, Department of Education, were the debt like they had employees, federal people doing the debt collecting. Then they monetized it. You went to private companies. Ask yourself, why is it that kids are paying 8.6% and up on student loans? We're talking about you putting them in a hole before they even start their careers. So the, the complaint is, hey, you're paying so much on the interest for so long till you're not even touching the pr touching the principal. But why is it that the interest rate was set so high? This happened under the Bush administration. The interest rate set so high for students on student loans. Then the other thing is you're talking about people are talking about fairness. Well, you got a situation where Donald Trump was out here bragging about the fact that he used bankruptcy. So he's filed for bankruptcy five or six times and he still is supposedly a billionaire. But for student loans, you cannot file bankruptcy. You can file bankruptcy and people have foreclosed on homes and got another home. They'll foreclose and file bankruptcy with their car. They'll let, they, they let their cars go. They haven't been responsible for a number of things that they've been allowed to file bankruptcy on. But the people who can least afford to pay the money back, you can't file bankruptcy. Why is that? Why somebody need to ask the question and why can't you fix that? Why can't you? This is a federal government program and you're supposed to be helping kids. But how are you helping people by <clears throat> having them pay more interest than you have to pay on a car or a house? You know, you still paying eight point something percent forever. But yet no one is talking about why does it have to be? It's, it's, why does it have to be so high? It's because of capitalism. 
you got companies who are making money at the expense and on the back of people who can at least afford to pay it, but they're running around talking about how unfair it is that some of this debt is going to be forgiven. How is that fair that you're preying on the people? And that's all it is. Let's call it what it is. These people are being preyed on by companies who are debt collecting for the federal government. But this is all tied to our politicians, basically, who are owned by the banks. um, Scott, you just said it. You know, this is supposed to be helping students. But in reality, this is helping the banks. And the banks basically got this legislation put through. And Biden and the Democrats and the Republicans, they're all in bed with the same people, which is really how we got here. And the debt collectors, they're all in in bed with the politicians as well. And they're lining their pockets on the blood, sweat, and tear of these families and these students. And what Biden just did is literally a drop in the bucket. It's really not going to help anyone because the average student is suffering from like $70,000 worth of debt, which you mentioned they won't pay off in a lifetime. They won't be able to buy homes. They won't be able to actually put their children through school. And they'll suffer the same fate. And really, again, it's our government. And so, as you said, Scott, they are preying on these kids who are some of the most vulnerable because, you know, they have really nothing going for them other than trying to get their education. They're not working. And so what are they building up in terms of a debt profile or credit rating? And for that matter, let's think about what you just said about 045. Now, he went out there and he declared bankruptcy a number of times, including three casinos. And so one of the things that you have as a a guideline in this whole process is credit rating. And so they tell you like, well, you know, your ability to borrow money is based on your credit rating. And so what kind of credit rating does he have with all those bankruptcies out there? And yet we know now that for him, he can't even borrow any money from any banks in this country. But as you said, there are a lot of other folks who get bankruptcies and they turn right around and they, that whether it's businesses or individuals and they can get the next loan, they can get the next credit card. And that just is an unfair process. And who's really regulating who really knows what goes into the whole process of these credit reporting agencies, because I've heard horror stories about how everything from when people have their identity stolen to how erroneous information goes in and how you're literally like at the mercy of these credit reporting agencies. And so who's really overseeing them? That's another area where, as you say, who's watching the watcher. Exactly. Uh, And also, but one of the number one things I want somebody to ask our elected officials, like you said, knowing we got to hold them accountable, who decided that, you can't file for bankruptcy for student loans. Who, what was the logic behind that? that? That's what I want to understand. What's the logic behind that? Because now what you're saying is, hey, we're going to hold you accountable for this student loan debt until you pay it off or die. But any other debt, we're not going to hold you accountable like that. Explain that to me. Somebody, what's the logic behind that? I, I haven't heard the logic behind that and why is that and also why did you have to monetize uh by giving this to private companies what was the logic behind that because it didn't save the government any money you you meant privatize 
And right. and and what right. you're doing is, as we said, who did it was the banking lobby because right. that's what Bush allowed. That's who he allowed to write the regulations right up through the point of the those old balloon mortgage payments and all right. that predatory lending. Yeah. That's why we have that because in essence the laws were written by the banking lobby. And so what, why wouldn't they want to just make sure that the, that debt holds over students head for life? I mean, think about it. What they're basically doing is saying, like Noam said, we can start them with this debt slavery at as young an age as we can get away with, which is in college. And it really is over their heads for the rest of their lives. And that's what they've done. You know, uh, I mean, you got a situation where uh, people are making money at the expense of folks who can least afford it. And what I would like to see is all of this uh, reporting, people have been complaining about having an issue with, with student loan debt for years. This has been going on for years. What I would like to know is who was the who were the politicians who uh, allowed, was signed off on this, initiated this with the bankers? Who were the politicians who pushed this, you can't you can't file bankruptcy and this high interest rate. Name them and ask them and hold them accountable and get their butts out of the office. Well, you have one in the White House right now. You know, he's from Delaware, the home of the credit card and, and the banks. And he is just like our friend Barry was owned by the banking system. But what I really see this as, and Rod, you kind of touched on this a bit. It's a way to permanently tax the middle class and poor in this country because the wealthy don't have to take out these loans. This is directly a way to tax them. And they've even developed a way to tax selling anything online, literally. I I'm someone who who's, might use eBay occasionally and what have you, but through their last tax bill, Anyone who now sells more than $600 worth of items online during a calendar year will receive a 1099 and will possibly have to pay taxes on it, where before the threshold was $20,000. So literally what they're doing is they're just taxing the middle class and poor through every venue possible. And they do that while they continue to allow loopholes for the mega corporations and for the ultra wealthy who basically make a game out of figuring out how little a bit of any taxes they're going to pay. And so they literally have a process where they will spend more money on tax accountants and attorneys to avoid paying taxes than the actual taxes that they would have paid because that's how little respect they have for the government and the IRS. While the IRS, instead of really seeing that as a challenge and going at them, they still see Mr. and Mrs. Average American as the target of all of their auditing process and ways to continually go after us. And so it's just one more part of this uber capitalism. As you said, Scott, it's not pure capitalism, which in and of itself is an oxymoron because there is no such thing as pure capitalism because as long as you have socialist systems like Social Security and the water and fire and and police and military, which are all parts of socialism, then there really is no pure capitalism. Exactly. And then you got people who are in an uproar because the people who need the most help, they don't want them to get help. They want to continue 
to keep a knee, to keep a thumb on them, to keep them down. And there should be an uproar. That's a way to, I think, to solve this problem is not with violence. People got to be more educated, got to be educated into, hey, this is what's happening and this is why it's happening. And maybe then when people are more educated about what you just laid out there, Rod, in terms of capitalism, they always talk about capitalism, capitalism, like capitalism, but they don't include the social programs that's in our country. We have a hybrid capitalism system and folks need to start talking about that. But more importantly, people need to be educated and that it's not out there. I don't see where the kind of conversation that we're having now, I haven't heard that conversation anywhere else about the fact that uh, they're taking advantage of people who can at least they're preying on people who can at least afford to pay these student loan debt back. I don't hear that kind of conversation, uh, the way the system is rigged. And that's what it is. It's really rigged. It's a rigged system. Like you said, Norm, uh, you got people, they want to keep them in debt forever. It's like uh, some type of servitude to paying a credit card forever. And we're not talking about that. The people who know about it, the experts, all these uh, economists and all these Ivy League, um, um, whomever experts, they're not talking about that. And we fail to mention the corporate subsidies that this government is handing out. They want to talk about the welfare and it's not being fair and, and things, but they never seem to reduce the dollar amounts that they're giving to these companies in this country and farmers who are there, they're actually paying not to grow food. You know, I don't use the term fair, but this is socialism. And so at the end of the day, you both put your fingers on the pulse of it, which to me goes back to the fact that what we've got is that top 2% who really controls all the messaging that goes out there. And it certainly is not in their best interest to let there be an educated public who would understand this. So what they continue to do is find ways to keep us stirred up over nonsense, whether it be racism, sexism, genderism, xenophobia, whatever it else is. That really isn't the problem. The problem has always been that we have a vast inequity in terms of the amount of wealth that's contained at the top. As I said to you yesterday, Scott, every time I see these commercials for St. Jude Hospital and the Feed the Hungry and think about the fact that you've got billionaires who are building half billion dollar yachts and going to the moon instead of giving even some money that could really take the place of looking to the very mass public for giving to these very worthwhile causes, it should make our blood boil and we ought to see it a different way, but we don't. So that's what we see. We hope you to hear from you and we want you to tell us what your thoughts are. See if you have the same kind of outrage about this as we do. In our Black Business Spotlight, meet Robin Boyd, the Black female accountant featured in Forbes magazine twice for helping to grow 1,000 minority-owned businesses. She is the founder and CEO of Essential Accounting Consultants based in Cleveland, Ohio, where she's been transforming Black-owned businesses into million-dollar enterprises by helping them implement strategic tax strategies that corporations utilize to accelerate business growth. Since corporations have tax attorneys and accountants on staff, they're well aware of dozens of tax credits that reduce their expenses, which effectively allow them to recover lost revenue and repurpose resources for business growth, profit, or asset purchases. By bringing strategic solutions to the table, she's helped over 1,000 businesses, owners, 
to create a five-year financial growth plan that's rooted in tax reduction, financial transparency, and accelerated revenue growth. Robin has helped companies quickly scale their revenue by hundreds of thousands of dollars by securing government contracts at the local, state, and federal levels, getting a minority-owned business certification such as 8A, MBE, WBE, and DBE is a real difference maker and allows her clients to achieve the success they strive for. Through her company, Essential Accounting and Consultants, Robin provides a business advisory service to help her clients navigate through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, helping small businesses establish strong foundation often starts with improving the owner's personal credit so they can subsequently establish their business credit. For more details, visit her company's official website at Essential Accounting, EssentialACCTG.com. That's a wrap for another program, and God willing, we'll keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on a path to a better future. Don't forget you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next episode, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest, and rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today, because that's all we really have.